0: Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. ChooseWood.com.
1: This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine
0: Cha. In 2022, the top two items were neighborhood transformation and infrastructure. Uh, And that's why the city has rolled out a variety of programs ranging from a basic income program, free transit passes, rental and utility assistance, food assistance, child care assistance, affordable housing, combating vacancy, building capacity for nonprofits in qualified census tracts and geographies that are disproportionately impacted by COVID.
1: Earlier this month, St. Louis leaders announced that more than $20 million will be made available to nonprofits and community groups working to create economic mobility and opportunity in the city, particularly in historically marginalized communities. What could this funding do to support folks with projects of all shape and size and have lasting effects? Joining us to talk about who's eligible for the money, the types of community-led projects they're looking to fund, and how its approach to city development is putting people first, we welcome Noel Pfeffer, Executive Director of the Community Development Administration for the City of St. Louis. Noel, welcome to the program.
0: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: First of all, Neighborhood Transformation Grant. What is that?
0: Yeah. So when the mayor's office did a survey of over 5,000 city residents back in April 2022, we broke needs up into a variety of categories. Uh, And one of those was neighborhood transformation. And it included neighborhood beautification. It included affordable housing. It included investments to combat vacancy. um, And that wound up being the category that received overwhelming support, the most support out of all of them. Mm -hmm. And so kind of building off of uh, what we heard from city residents, it's why we're so excited to release these $20 million in funds for application.
1: And the, the money itself, where is that coming from, um, and how are you planning to sort of check that it's doing what it was meant to do?
0: Yeah, so this is a component of the city's allocation of ARPA funds, and specifically state and local fiscal relief funds. The city was awarded $498 million, and they need to be obligated by 2024 and spent by 2026. In order to ensure that they are doing uh, working uh, for the eligible uses, which are to respond to COVID-19 and its negative economic impacts, as well as to provide revenue replacement, uh, provide premium pay. And there's a couple other eligible uses, sewer, water, broadband Mm -hmm. infrastructure. But in order to ensure that, we have to provide quarterly reports to Treasury, as well as annual performance reports where we provide an even deeper amount of of data and outcomes, really Mm -hmm. key performance indicators of what the money is doing. And in order to get all that information, we require all of our subrecipients, the entities that we award funds to, uh, to provide those regular, uh, both fiscal and programmatic reports to us. Mm-hmm. Fiscal reports are about the money you've spent. Programmatic reports are about the outcomes.
1: So you'll be following it over time. Now, in terms of time, there is, uh, you know, the the request for proposals, as it were, is, has been put out. Um, what about the St. Louis CDs approach to setting up this grant funding initiative, as it were, has centered... What community members themselves say they want
0: and need? Well, the first thing to emphasize is that this is really a uniquely flexible funding opportunity. We're not trying to be prescriptive here. We're really trying to crowdsource the best ideas within, of course, the ARPA eligibility parameters. So what we've created are four big buckets. Affordable housing. The Treasury Department has been clear that that's a safe harbor. Under 80% AMI, uh, area median income, uh, is a safe harbor in terms of an eligible use of these funds. Similarly, combating vacancy uh, and transforming vacant lots from liabilities into assets. That's clearly there in the final rule. Building capacity for nonprofits in qualified census tracts and geographies that are disproportionately impacted by COVID. That's another key safe harbor in ARPA. So what we've done is we've taken those ARPA parameters and then shaped them to match the needs that we heard in the survey um, to create these four eligible use categories. The, one, the last one that I haven't mentioned yet is home repair. We know that home repair is an extraordinary need, especially for seniors who want to age in place, and that if we don't expand our capacity to provide these home repair services, we're going to have a lot of vacant buildings on our hands, mm-hmm. a lot more.
1: So determining what those categories are was very much based then on what you were hearing from community members themselves.
0: Absolutely. That's where we started and and, and where we always start our appropriation process. Mm-hmm. Um, before I was at CDA, I served as Mayor Jones, Director of Policy, and one of my Primary task there was to focus on the appropriation of ARPA funds. And we started by convening a stimulus advisory board, listened to them for that first appropriation, and then proceeded to conduct deep engagement. Again, a vote with over 5,000 responses, representing over 1% of city residents.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, let's get to some specific examples within those four categories. What types of grant proposals are you hoping to
0: receive? Uh, again, it's a wide range, and we know that every neighborhood has unique needs. Um, and so uh, we want to hear from, from these neighborhoods, what what are your needs? But we know something that's a need across the city is affordable housing. Um, we see it when we know that there's 37,000 cost burdened tenant households uh, and about 10,000 evictions a year in the city. And so that's something that we're really excited to see those proposals. Again, that does have to be affordable. The applicant also needs to be able to commit to tenant protections and quality standards, Um, and we're also going to be awarding bonus points uh, for projects in geographies with the highest need, projects near existing community assets, and also projects that are are cost effective uh, and and cost less than $100,000 per unit. as well as uh, projects that have larger uh, unit sizes because we know that there's uh, large families in St. Louis and and a shortage of uh, uh, Mm three-bedroom-plus apartments.
1: So one of the things that I understand is that the goal of this endeavor is to provide resources directly to households and individuals, that that is on some level something that you are trying to do. Um, And Addressing something like affordable housing is—that is uh, a—that's is a, a big project, right? So, I mean, opportunity is one thing, and then access is another. So, you've you talked about nonprofits that have been invited to submit proposals for the funding. Is there anything that the CDA has done to overcome barriers that are associated with actually reaching everyday people in the city? that would benefit from these funds?
0: That's an amazing question. And I think it's worth to answer it, zooming out to talk about the city's broader economic justice action plan, which sets out that equitable development is about more than the physical transformation of our built environment. It also is, about economic empowerment. If you change the built environment, but you don't lift up the community, and, and you don't empower residents, the change that you drive is not going to be sustainable. Uh, and that's why the city has rolled out a variety of programs, ranging from a basic income program to a uh, transit free transit passes uh... to rental and utility assistance to a variety of uh, food assistance child care assistance a variety of other programs to uh... provide these benefits directly to city residents and that was really the focus of our first appropriation for direct relief to to go directly to individual beneficiaries However, what we saw in the survey is that that we had a big category for household assistance in the survey, and that actually dropped. It was the number one priority when we did an initial survey back in 2021. Mm -hmm. When we did a second survey in 2022, the top two items were neighborhood transformation and infrastructure. That doesn't mean we're not doing that household assistance anymore, absolutely not. And in fact, our partner agency SLDC recently released RFPs for fund managers, for down payment assistance, to help small businesses with loans and, and contractors to scale. But frankly, the NOFA is more about the built environment piece of the puzzle. It's not the only thing the city is doing and it fits mm-hmm. into a broader ecosystem of programs. But as we talk about these capital investments that need to be made into neighborhoods, the truth is that from a compliance perspective, nonprofits with the fiscal capacity to administer these grants and provide those financial reports are kind of the best subrecipient partners for the city. Now, that doesn't mean that those Nonprofits, in turn, can propose programs to allocate funds directly to individual beneficiaries who want to build a community garden, right, uh, or, uh, or, or beautify their neighborhood or, or build capacity in other ways.
1: Mm. Is there anything planned at all that might give people um, a better idea, people who have very concrete ideas for how to sort of advance these things that you're talking about and connect with nonprofits? Or is that something that sort of is left to the folks out there to figure out?
0: It's another great question. Uh, And where we've kind of landed is that it's not appropriate for CDA to play matchmaker right, uh, between different entities, or recommend to folks who, because there are some folks who have come to us and say, we've got this vacant property that we have this vision for, can you tell us who to work with? Um, But uh, we do think that it's appropriate uh, for other partners in the space and the St. Louis Development Corporation and Neighborhood Managers, which was a recent initiative that they rolled out to play that role, Mm -hmm. Um, and especially because SLDC will not be involved in rating uh, the applications or or administering them. Um, We think that that is appropriate.
1: We're discussing St. Louis's effort to provide more than $20 million in community improvement grants to nonprofits and community groups throughout the city. My guest is Noel Pfeffer, Executive Director of the city's Community Development Administration. Now, one of the things um, that I feel like I have observed is that when there is money like this available, we're talking about um, doing things sort of on a, a, a grander scale, and you're talking about systemic issues, that the way that it sort of shakes out is with, it ends up being beautification projects, right? Um, So with affordable housing being the thing that you really want to address, uh, there will be need for people on the ground who are doing that work, not just the ones who have proposed this plan. Is there anything um, that you can share about people on the ground doing the work Um, and how that will be part of sort of getting to the goals that have been set out for these neighborhood transformation, not like a single building, but neighborhood transformation grants.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Another great question. And all these projects are going to be subject to the city's MWBE requirements, minority and women business uh, participation requirements, as well as the local resident participation requirements. Because we want to make sure that this money circulates in the city for a long time to come, and that these projects don't don't just. Uh that they have an impact for five, 10, 20 years down mm-hmm. the road. I should also emphasize that we've talked about affordable housing, we've talked about beautification, um, and we've talked a little bit about home repair. The most flexible source of funding uh, in this grant is a $4 million category called proactive development of community assets. And there are certain enumerated community assets that are in the ARPA final rule that we know we can fund with this, and those include health clinics, child care centers, grocery stores, and and things to expand food access. But there are Potentially others, and we encourage applicants to tell us with data and experience and evidence. Hey, this is a a need that my community has, and and here's uh, the gap.
1: Mm -hmm. Has this approach been used elsewhere? And if so, are there maybe a couple of other examples of um, of ways that the the money has been used? Um, you You mentioned health clinics, but are there ones that we're just not imagining now? That have happened elsewhere, or have come, you know, come to be
0: elsewhere. I think one example that has been really instructive for us is Detroit, and I think in part uh, because of Detroit's history, uh, they received a large influx of money after the Great Recession and kind of had to to rebuild, and so they've been where we are today. Um, and we are currently in a position where our ecosystem has been starved of resources for so long that the very first thing we need to do is build the capacity to administer these. Um, And and that's why this also includes these capacity building grants. But one particular thing that Detroit does very, very well is home repair. Um, And they have an approach that uh, involves essentially larger task order per unit contracts. That is something that we are deploying and and have set up this NOFA. And what does that mean? So what that means (laughs) is that instead of bidding out each home individually, uh, we enter into a larger contract uh, with, with uh, a firm uh, that can deliver a hundred homes a year, mm-hmm. or, or perhaps even more. And I should note that while the vast majority of this NOFA is geared towards neighborhood groups and nonprofits, the home repair piece is the unique piece that is geared towards the for-profit sector as well, and large for-profits, and that's because it's also the piece that goes out to provide household needs more directly. Um, We have so many households in the city uh, that cannot afford to maintain their home uh, and and that could lose their home if we don't uh, take action. Uh, And so that's why we're working to scale the city's home repair program from where it is now, where it does 200 home repairs a year and spending about $2 million to 500 home repairs a year.
1: Mm -hmm. Now, what communities are eligible within St. Louis? and, And how is that determined?
0: Yeah. So we've applied an equity lens uh, to this entire project through qualified census tracts in the Economic Justice Index. So basically the way that the ARPA final rule is provided by Treasury Works is it says that qualified census tracts, household businesses, nonprofits within qualified census tracts are presumed to be disproportionately impacted by the pandemic. And we looked at those qualified census tracts, which are essentially North St. Louis and Gravoy Park, Dutch Town, Bevo Mill. And um, and we said, great, we think this captures a lot of the need, but it doesn't quite go far enough. So what we did, because qualified census tracts are just based on income. And what we did is we said, we think that the communities that are disproportionately impacted by COVID, we can also identify those by identifying which communities have disproportionately low internet access, which communities have disproportionately low levels of medical insurance, which communities have uh, high violent crime rates, which communities were historically redlined. And so we used actually 10 different factors, including income, uh, to create an economic justice index, uh, and then layered those onto the qualified census tracts, which added uh, some neighborhoods like Carondelet, as well as pieces of the West End, and uh, Clinton Peabody uh, onto the map. Uh, to ensure that uh, these funds are equitably distributed.
1: So to the distribution, there is app- applying, right? So um, in in terms of that application process, um, very generally, apart from the nonprofit component, what are the basic requirements for submitting a proposal?
0: Well, you, you need to have the capacity to administer the grant uh, in compliance. Um, and there's different categories actually, Uh, and the way that the application process will work is that uh, applicants will provide us with their qualifications and their proposal, and actually will team up to tell us what their broader plan for neighborhood transformation. So kind of our ideal proposal is one in which one entity uh, is taking the lead, or multiple entities are taking the lead on housing production, and another is taking the lead on neighborhood beautification, and another one is working to develop this community asset, and another contractor is providing home repair, and all working together to leverage long-term neighborhood transformation, where the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Um, But then we're going to review that, and the very first thing we're going to do is do an eligibility review, um, where we look at the different entities, and we also classify them, and this might be a little too in the weeds, but as subrecipients, contractors, or beneficiaries. Mm -hmm. There's different eligibility criteria with each of them. encourage anyone interested in applying to look at the NOFA or also because that is a 75 plus page document, look at the webinar that CDA held last Tuesday uh, in which we provide a roughly 30 minute overview of the program in some detail and then answer a bunch of questions. CDA team that, that reviews them independently um, and, and that has expertise in either home repair or housing production or, or neighborhood beautification. Um, then we're going to release our draft recommendations, our, our recommended awards, and then we're going to hold a public hearing, get public input, and then and issue final awards. Okay,
1: <laughs> thank you. Noel Pfeffer is Executive Director for the Community Development Administration. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Elaine. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Doerr. Our production intern
0: is Avery Rogers. Alex Hoyer is our executive producer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here.
1: Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group.